Hello and hi, welcome to another Slice of Sci-Fi. I'm Summer Brooks. And I'm Lewis Howley. And we are here to talk about Citadel, the new spy thriller series on Prime Video, which uh, just ended season one. Six very uh, intriguing and relatively exciting episodes. Um, My opinions are many. And I hope to get through them all today. I have uh, also several different opinions about some things that I wish the show were and uh, or would focus more on and about the current show and where it may be heading. Yes. So first of all, there will be spoilers. If you have not seen all six episodes and some of the uh, behind the scenes teasers that we're playing after each episode, uh, turn away now. We are also going to chat a bit about possibilities for season two. And uh, the we've already seen the teaser for the first uh, spinoff, which is Citadel Diana. So there's a lot to talk about for season one, a lot to speculate about for season two and for the spinoff, the first spinoff. And like I said, I have many questions. Lewis, let's start with you. Where, what are your overall feelings about the series? Well, I think that the interesting thing about this series is that it is a spy series essentially. But I think that really this is a series that focuses and chose to focus more on its characters than on developing the background lore of uh, Citadel and Manticore and the world in which they operate, which seems to be somewhat parallel to our world, maybe perhaps a few years in the future, but not too far in the future because they're still using regular cars and they still fly regular planes. The weaponry uh, may be on the the range of the James Bond spectrum uh, in terms of being more advanced than what we would consider our United States military to have. But, um, and so this emphasis on characters, I mean, I personally wished that there had been more background lore about Citadel and Manticore and about their structure, uh, how they fit in with other current spy agencies, which are mentioned in the show, like the CIA and the FBI. And, uh, but one thing I also think could have been more developed, and I think maybe a possibility for a parallel episode or parallel season would be to have one in which it's all from Manticore's perspective. Uh, And I think that would be intriguing uh, since it's essentially a series of crime families who are operating, it appears, as a syndicate. And uh, it does not, we're not clear on whether or not Manticore had like a facility uh, similar to Citadel's in whatever mountain fortress or canyon fortress Citadel was in. 
So I would be intrigued to learn more about the crime families and to see the upper hierarchies of Manticore. Yeah, given what was revealed in the final episode about Dahlia's connection um, to, to Manticore and just everything in that final episode made me ask what in the hell was Citadel thinking? Cause we do, we do, we do get some backstory on Citadel. We, you know, Bernard told the story in uh, that first episode. It basically was set up the same way Kingsman was set up. We, you know, we got that little anecdote about how, they were sick and tired of countries starting wars. So they started an agency that would be not beholden to any country or any other international agency, and they would stop the shenanigans. It doesn't say when it was created. It doesn't say how long Manticore has been around. It doesn't talk about their recruitment uh, policies uh, it doesn't talk about their research and development, like their technology, you know, before Citadel fell was rather advanced. They had uh, advanced surveillance capabilities, advanced uh, eavesdropping capabilities. Where did that technology come from? Did they develop it? Did they, uh, air quotes, borrow it from other spy agencies around the world? Where did that come from? And the fact, ah, <laughs> uh, uh, the destruction of Citadel was Dahlia's revenge, something she had been plotting at that time for over 25, 30 years. How Manticore got created, that is something I would like to see. I would like to see a prequel uh, movie about how Citadel was created and then how Manticore was developed in response to Citadel because there's no indication that Manticore existed uh, before uh, the, the, the incident where Dahlia's family was killed and separated um, which we find out was a mistake by Citadel. Citadel was supposed to hit uh, a, a terrorist group, and instead they hit uh, a UN aid station. And Dahlia was a diplomat, was injured, her husband was killed, and her son was uh, displaced. And... I knew there was a connection. By the time we ended season, uh, episode five, I said, we have met everyone who is left in Citadel. It can't, you know, the mole could not be somebody we haven't met because that's a cop out in storytelling. You know, process of elimination, the mole has to be Mason, but Kyle doesn't remember this. So what how is this going to play out? And in episode six, we find out. Now, episode six raises another question that I will touch on later, but the fact that Mason 
was Dahlia's son. How did no one in Citadel know this later? Because obviously Bernard knew who Dahlia was. They knew who Manticore was. But, you know, it's not like Manticore came out of nowhere to uh, destroy Citadel in that opening sequence we saw on the train in Italy. That, that whole worldwide first strike, you know, Citadel knew who the major players in Manticore were. How did they not uh, go back and revisit the fact that one of their top agents was the son of one of the top leaders of their, their rival agency, their enemy agency? Who dropped the ball? I mean, this is supposed to be an intelligence agency. How do you miss that one simple fact? <laughs> yes, but on the other hand, this is an agency that apparently allows romantic liaisons between its agents uh, with no repercussions to them. You know, not realizing, of course, that it just sets up these agents for blackmail. And, uh, well, that was not what occurred with Mason. And, you know, I had an alternate theory, too, about uh, why Mason ended up in Citadel having Dahlia as a mother that they perhaps knew. I think perhaps Bernard let him in on purpose, despite Dahlia, you know, in a personal uh, vendetta that he has with her, which he does appear to have when he's taken captive. You know, it's clear they have some kind of relationship and it is embittered uh, in some way. And we don't know anything about their backstory. We haven't heard anything, which I also would like to know more about. I, but, uh, go ahead. No, I'm, like, I, I'm not sure that they have a relationship so much as maybe hmm maybe she blames Bernard for that missile strike in well, Bosnia in Serbia rather it it because well, it, it you know intelligence it was a failure of intelligence they had the wrong coordinates for that missile and then they covered it up and lied and said it was a car bomb. And she didn't find out the truth until a decade later. True. And, but on the other hand, uh, she appeared to have been at that time of the bombing or the fake missiles or the uh, false, uh, what's the word I want here? The um, inaccurate missile strike. In, in Serbia or Bosnia, rather, probably, uh, she appeared to have been a UN worker. And if that were so, then it's possible that depending on when Bernard came into Citadel, they could have had a relationship that was prior to the Citadel Manticore dichotomy. Um, from from what they were saying, or from what she was saying, she wasn't just a UN worker. She was part of an uh, a diplomatic team, not not unlike like she wasn't an ambassador, but she was of that same level, and was there to oversee or you know help oversee. She was she was definitely management for that team. 
She was overseeing it. She had, you know, her family was there. They were, they were doing something, you know, for the, for the positive PR spin during this war and their location got hit instead of, you know, uh, 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 an enemy location. So where, I, I would like to know more about her position, how high up she was, because she had to have been very, very high up in order to eventually make contacts with the crime families that made up Manticore. And, but I think all of that happened after she found out the source, her Manticore involvement, I think, came about after uh, she oh, yeah. discovered the truth. Oh, yeah, definitely. With the diplomat. And so here she is. Well, and I don't think she could have been too high up because, I mean, unlike Star Trek, where you send your main team into the battlefield every time they go to a new planet, you know, here usually uh, a high ranking person would not be sent into a war field, you know, uh, like set foot in Bosnia unless they were under very controlled conditions which she clearly was not in this um, environment living in a, a mean, missile. There. A missile does not care how many bodyguards you have. True. But <laughs> I think that, um, um, you know, her, but in any case, to get back, I guess, to Bernard and Dahlia, I think that uh, their relationship definitely needs more exploration. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was initially critical of the torture methods she used on him, which I thought were wimpy, uh, you know, for someone who seemed as ruthless as she was. But then since they sent him off to Brazil for some other project at the very end, um, after she after Dahlia shot Anders uh, when he was about to free Bernard, obviously they needed him for some future project of evil. and so. That explained why more severe torture wasn't used at Bernard, and that closed a hole for me in the plot. You know right. that I thought, you know, was was not very well executed until that point. Um, and uh, but uh, the relationship, I guess maybe I'll jump to the relationship that is the stunner, namely the shock to find out that. Um, Mason is her son, which took me completely by surprise at the end of the sixth <laughs> episode. I mean, it was so surprising. And, uh, you know, and, you know, she said that it's interesting because the scene is set up in a way where she states to him that he could potentially defeat Citadel with his knowledge. Which seems, I mean, I hate to say it, but that Mason would know the location of every single Citadel agent or have access to that information seems a little bit absurd to me. But that aside, um, you know, the scene is set up so that she gives the, the suggestion and then she's on the phone telling people to carry out the, the mission of destroying all of Citadel. And the assumption there is that it is Mason who enabled that to happen. And you kind of then see him in present time 
horrified by these new revelations and his memory coming back. But we don't really see him handing off that information to Dahlia. So I think there's still a potential gap there where someone besides Mason may have provided the information. I know it's a long shot, nope. but I think that it, it is possible that someone else besides Mason provided that information. Nope. <laughs> you think nope. it was Mason? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, A, there's nobody left in Citadel alive. Uh, otherwise, why wouldn't that person have gone well, straight Citadel to No, no. Unless, like, literally, unless that person was dead, they would have gone straight back to Dahlia for safety after Citadel fell. And obviously they weren't there. Uh, the fact that she thought everyone was dead until Mason popped up to steal the X case. Yeah, they, they thought they had uh, destroyed every agent. They did not know I mean, literally the only person that they were tracking was Carter Spence. And I believe torturing Bernard was only to extract technological and operational information. And when they lost Carter, she's like, okay, we have to protect this asset because he's got more to tell us. And that's why uh, they sent Bernard to another location. But I do believe, because if you look at how uh, distraught Mason was in the flashbacks of him not being able to know where, uh, where Dahlia was, not being able to come to grips with his feelings, you know, at that at that end point, he called it love, but that was possessive obsession. And he was willing to do anything and everything within his power to get his woman back. Um, the the fact that he was willing to betray his organization just to get information that his organization was intentionally hiding from him. Uh, that, that falls right in line with the obsession part. The, um, uh, how do I put it? Well, screw it. <laughs> We're going into spoilers here. The fact that he he's tier one. I mean, he had the information, he had the ability to hide what Nadia had done during Celeste's operation and hide from Nadia what he did to Celeste after she was extracted. And that, you know, he's he was probably one of their top 10 agents in the entire agency of which, you know, we found out with several thousand agents. And so, yeah, he would have that ability. The fact that he, the submarine, 
the fact that he was able to lock out the submarine so nobody but him could control it, that that's a, a very manipulative move. And I think that's a failure of leadership that they didn't try to rein him in right then. He's like, they don't have it. They don't have it. They don't have it. You don't have it. I have it. You have to do what I say if you want it. And, you know, right then he would have been in shackles and, you know, put under sedation until they figured out what to do. Because that's, you know, you're talking a remotely controlled uh, submarine with nuclear warheads on it, which, by the way, why hadn't the Russians destroyed it in the previous eight years? I mean, it was theirs. It wasn't in their control. Why didn't they destroy it? Why did they have to wait until it surfaced to try to launch jets to sink it? I mean, how do you build a remote control weapon of mass destruction and not have a remote detonation uh, uh, sequence? You know, you push a button and then you push another button and then you push that button again to because to make sure, you know, like, uh, you know, the you, you repeat the order three times to confirm it. You know, you do that and, you know, 5,000 feet under the Pacific Ocean, that thing goes boom. <laughs> Nobody knows it was there. Nobody knows it was yours. Nobody knows it was out of your control. So, uh, yeah, that the whole submarine thing angered me because that was that was some uh that was slightly lazy writing when it was happening in the moment it was fun to watch when you think about it afterwards you're like why did they do that that is so 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 poorly planned ah <sighs> But, I yeah, think that, that one of the reasons for that is again that the scriptwriters are focusing on characters versus an internal logic for the organizations, and so this was a convenient trope for them to bring in, and then its backstory of logic that would make it, you know, understandable is thrown to the wayside because it's a staging area essentially for characters. And that's what's important. You know, the, the people go down there to get the nuclear cores. There's some action. We get Davik turning on Dahlia and uh, the team managing to successfully extricate themselves to go for the meeting with Asha. But this is typical. And I agree with you. You know, I mean, I think the whole thing about. Um, well, maybe I shouldn't say I agree with you, but one of my <laughs> concerns was with Mason being an agent that had such power that he could wipe Celeste's memory, hide it from Nadia, have an affair with Nadia. And this agency is completely clueless about these efforts. And, uh, you know, either they have a terrible, terrible um, administration, um, which may not be implausible because of the fact that, you know, when they said they were trying to stop wars 
that you know organized governments could not. In reality, if we go by our world, they were not very successful since wars are always breaking out. Mm -hmm. Of course, we don't know the wars they stopped from happening, if they stopped a bigger conflagration from happening. But and that's a possibility. But in terms of completely eliminating war, Citadel was not successful. Mm -hmm. And I suppose that you could argue that's the influence of the Manticores. Uh, or the, and I think of them as not manticore, but uh, almost like manticores, since they're these uh, families, you know, who are controlling everything that we know nothing really about, other than mm -hmm. they each have a primary specialty that they deal in in terms of their illegal operations. Um, so I, I could not accept. Um, I found it a very strong plot flaw that you know Mason could get away with everything he was doing, and then that there is like, I suppose you would if you were a spy agency, you might have a master database of every single agent. But even if you did, uh, if it weren't in real time, if uh, how would you know where they all were to kill them? You know, I mean. Uh, that seemed to me a bit of a stretch. And, but I think that this is something that, I mean, I could nitpick all day about things like this, but this really isn't the function of this series <laughs> to, to be this logical. You know, the fact of the matter is this is the set premise. And regardless of whether I like it or not, this is what happened, you know, and, uh, Clearly, this was not a well-run organization, Citadel. And uh, they let their agents have too much autonomy and they did not run checks on them sufficiently. Um, and perhaps that's okay, even though I don't like them. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that's a big problem. I don't remember hearing any official statement that uh, agents having relationships with each other was against policy was forbidden i mean think about it you are a deep cover agent or a ghost are you really going to get into a relationship with a civilian not knowing whether or not that civilian might actually be uh, a counterintelligence spy against you i mean the whole thing with there being a central database i'm i'm okay with that I mean, that was the plot of the first Mission Impossible movie. You know, of course, head, of course, headquarters is going to know where everybody is and who they are, like whether they're on assignment or whether they're just living their their cover life. You know, they're whether or not Mason See, I had direct. Go ahead. I think I think their database would have been more distributed. In other no, words, absolutely no, no one high person would know where everyone is. They would know where their contacts were, and each of the contacts might know where people were. But, you know, it makes more sense to distribute the, the uh, knowledge that way so that you can't have something like this happen. Um, but, and, you and know, like I yeah, said, I can know. accept that this is the premise, you know. And then there's there's nothing that says that the database was in one place. I mean, in that well, first then how would, how would so you think Mason would have scrounged it up from multiple locations? To yeah, there's there's agent? there's absolutely no indication that he went back to home base, grabbed the database, and went back to Dahlia immediately. It could have taken him a year 
to, to gather all of the pieces and get them to her. Because remember, he was he was looking for. I mean, we have a, a a general timeline. He was looking for Nadia. Nadia had left before uh, her pregnancy started showing. By the time he got pictures of her from the information that Dahlia gave him, she'd already had the baby. So we're talking anywhere from twelve to fourteen months. Well, okay. I have to give you that. So I don't think he got that information in, you know, in a week and got it back to Dahlia. I think it took almost two years for him to gather everything and get it to her. But see, unless that database were in real time, the agents would have moved around, you know, from where they were. I mean, you would know their names, certainly. But unless you knew where they were, I mean, you can't really commit one fell swoop. And well, that's just out. it. Not, not in, from what I interpreted from what I'm seeing only tier one agents went on uh, seek and destroy missions I mean Brielle Celeste as Brielle was undercover for 15 months you know some of those other agents might have been under for two years five years and it wouldn't be hard to take information that's, you know, say, go to this location, find this person. This person's not there. Hey, ask their neighbors where they went. You know, were they extracted and relocated? Or did they just move down the block to a better house and still using that same name? It, there's, a, there's a lot of wiggle room there. I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to let them have. But, you know, this is also a fam, uh, a network of, what, eight or nine crime families that have their own resources. I'm sure they could, you know, put together observation teams or, you know, track criminal, you know, criminals can track certain people in databases. Doesn't matter if they're their cover or their real names. Th that I'm pretty sure that that operation to take down Citadel took a couple years to get the information from Mason, a few more years to, uh, to, to put people in place to do something. Cause I don't, I, I think it took longer than, you know, we we're talking compressed TV time here. I think that whole operation took a lot longer. And the fact that it was eight years before uh, Bernard found Mason, I'm I'm wondering. He knew where Mason was the whole time. He put him there. Well, yes, correct. And and I so, saw so I'm I'm right about that. He knew where he was the whole time. He just needed to reactivate him in order to stop them from getting the X case because. Manticore found it because they had captured Carter Spence. Do I have that timeline right? I think so. But okay. remember, too, that in this time, you know, we have to consider that in this eight years that Mason obviously has a, an old, an older daughter. Uh, so, you know, from when Citadel fell and he lost his memory, and his meeting Celeste Abbey 
and they're having time for you know nine months to have a child and the child looks to me like she doesn't fit into this frankly she looks older than eight to me uh but maybe she is eight i mean i suppose that's possible uh you know so you have that and you talk about the wiggle room well you know and and uh, you know the flip side of what you're saying too is that obviously although they thought they had wiped out all the citadel agents uh in reality they were unaware of mason bernard uh carter initially um nadia and so there may be more citadel agents out there that they don't know exist now we're not seeing them on the show and i don't know what citadel diana if it's a prequel or you know um or maybe she's one of the other agents that survived uh you know and that they don't know about you know so um and you know your your comment is well taken about you know you could ask the neighbors and stuff like that but this operation clearly was intended to be one fell swoop to wipe out citadel all at once and and i suppose that could take a few weeks after the initial hit on the headquarters you know but obviously things like the train explosion were uh key to nadia and mason you know and civilians be damned so yeah it's an interesting interesting thing to think about um I did go online before our discussion here, and I did see that there is a a wiki page already for Citadel, and uh, and and looking at it, it made me think that it was created by the producers of the show, uh, because so much of the information that's presented is uh, from a press kit, or so it sounds like when they give the biographies, and. Uh, and so that was intriguing too, because I had to go back to remember all of Celeste's name. Um, you know, she's Abby, she's Brielle, she's Celeste, you know, and I kind of like that. Yeah. But I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent there. That that's okay. There's so much to to talk about, and they are interconnected because, like I said, this this series took me along for a ride I was not expecting and I wanted to enjoy it and I ended up enjoying it in a different way than I expected to uh. I, ex I expected there to be like you know Mission Impossible level action scenes but the the balance between the action scenes of the operations of the past and the slow the the slow burning build and interconnections and the weaving of lies and the unweaving of lies in how these people's relationships worked that you know to me that was better than any soap opera <laughs> well i was and, i i was really led along because i honestly thought for up until the revelation about mason and dahlia being related. I honestly thought it was Nadia who had betrayed the agency because she was angry about Celeste being brainwashed essentially mm -hmm. by them or having her memory erased. 
And uh, so I have to give them credit because they completely, completely fooled me. And I think that's why I enjoyed the revelation so much because I love being fooled, you know, and suddenly, and it was organic. It was something that made sense. It wasn't just written up out of the air, you know, like the deus ex machina. It was believable that he would be her son. And did you detect a little bit of um, Madden using a British accent when he was talking to Dahlia when yeah. in that scene? That was intentional. That was intentional. We're, remember, yeah. where, remember where she's like looking at him and she goes, ah, there it is, the Queen's English. Yes, yes. And, uh, uh, you know, and I, I love that fact, you know, because it uh, was so, was fairly subtle until, of course, they gave Dahlia that dialogue. And, uh, you know, I thought, oh, wonderful, wonderful. And, um, I don't know, in real life, I should have looked it up, but uh, in the uh, recaps at the end of every episode, uh, they he would speak and it was clear, I wanna say his accent sounded Scottish to me, mm -hmm. but I might be wrong about that. I have him right here, let's see. Yeah, he is Scottish. And, uh, you know, and I wondered why it was necessary to give him, make him have as a character an American accent, you know, because obviously Citadel recruits from all over the world, so he could have kept his original accent, you know, and so, but this allowed for a little bit of play here between the American and the Queen's English. So perhaps that was one of the reasons why they did that. I think his accent as an American is very good. I think that was a side effect of, because that was one of the things that we saw um, after after the the UN camp was hit. He was only like five, and they relocated him to Oregon to grow up. So it's possible he lost the accent. Oh, I could see that, uh, you know, especially since uh, his uh, grandma told, said that his mother was traveling, you know, mm -hmm. that was her explanation, you know, and, um, and so that actually gives us a kind of timeline to know that Citadel at least existed into uh, Mason's childhood. I mean, if he was five when they had that uh, errant missile strike. I look judging from some of the images during Bernard's uh, historical recap. I think Citadel existed back to World War One. Oh, I think I forgot that scene. You're right. Um, that does make sense. In which case, they aren't very successful then if they let World War Two happen. But you know, that's okay. <laughs> you know, you can have a mission and not be able to carry it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But, uh, and again, they may have made it, you know, maybe they sabotaged the Nazis getting nuclear weapons, you know, so that we could win as the allies. Yeah. So they, you, you they, never they, know. That's yeah, a they, possibility. Yeah, they, they captured that extraterrestrial technology for themselves in order to prevent the Nazis from having it, right? <laughs> well, you know, I was waiting for an extraterrestrial link here in this uh, show, you know, that somehow all this technology came from, you know, 
the Roswell saucer or something, but, uh, you know, we were spared that, fortunately, you know, and I don't think it was really necessary. I will yeah. say that the investment the producers made in the uh, visual effects and the sets was uh, outstanding. I think it gave the results that were intended, you know, Dahlia's house, but it blew up, I thought uh, to myself, I hope that's a facade, uh, you know, because I thought, please don't blow up this beautiful house in reality. <laughs> no, that's that was probably a model, a scale model. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, uh uh and in fact, in that scene, I want to say the revelation scene between Dahlia and Mason, I thought to myself, what is he doing at her house? You know, I mean, it it really I was so flabbergasted at the beginning of that scene. I'm like, why is he at her house? And she's serving him tea. And then somehow I'm thinking it's present time, you know, that he's finished the mission with the sub and now here he is with Dahlia. So all of it completely threw me, you know, until I realized that this was set in the past and was uh, uh, the impetus. But see, now, I, again, this is such a great hook because I'm so looking forward to next season. Although, even if it goes into Manicor's side of the story, I'll be satisfied with that, too. It doesn't fulfill, you know, going on from our current storyline. I think I want to know more about Manticore's origin story and uh, creation story and who all these other families are that they have relationships with that Dahlia is connected to because... Okay, two things. First, I can't believe that Citadel would know who Dahlia was, where she lived, what her involvement with Manticore was, and not have her ass bugged. I mean, come on, that's a huge house. You've got to have bugs in there someplace. Second, you don't think Manticore is stupid enough to believe she's dead? I mean, her house blows up and she disappears. She ain't dead. She's running. Come on. They're not stupid. She knows that. Oh, I agree. I mean, the fact that she's, quote unquote, gone dark now from Manicor, uh doesn't mean they don't know that she's still alive and that they won't try to pursue her for her failure to execute this mission. But the real question that I think is fascinating now is, what will Dahlia do? Does she want to stay? Obviously, she seems alienated from Manticore. Will she come over uh, to mason's side and nadia's side as a couple because they're her offspring and his wife and her grandchild uh you know so there are some interesting possibilities for her i think next season that might make her look less of an ogre you know obviously she became that way from her embitterment uh you know with the loss of her husband and it was enough for her to dump her son off too. Um, she's she's had thirty years to simmer and stew in her bitterness and her rage. That doesn't go away because you have grandchildren, multiple grandchildren. She's got two granddaughters now. Well, that's true. That's true. I forgot about Hendrix. Uh, so uh, and and yeah. yeah, I I I have to admit that you got the double surprise. 
on Nadia's side from seeing Celeste's alive. And then, oh my God, you know, she has a daughter by Mason too. And then, cause you, you saw Carter's reaction was, I can't believe that's his wife. And they, they, they literally, they're, the looks on their face are like, uh, now what? And I'm curious because Carter found a way to resynthesize the, uh, the serum to give Kyle Mason's memories back. Could he do the same for Abby so she becomes Celeste again? Well, that's right. You know, I mean, clearly, I think he could. And, uh, you know, although at the time, I think that Mason claimed to have, like, made it so she couldn't come back, you know. And I love that scene where Nadia confronts him about this. Because in it, she says that he has killed Celeste. And, you know, there's a very real way in which what, what she is saying is true. I mean, when you deprive someone of their personality, whether it's through dementia or Alzheimer's or, you know, erasing their memory in that way with, uh, you know, the technological means that Citadel had, you know, they're not the same person. You know, there's a part of them that has been killed, you know, um, that has died. Mm -hmm. Um, So when Nadia mentions that uh mason has killed celeste you know this is nothing compared to all of the other people that mason has subsequently killed in giving the information to dahlia about citadel i mean he bears the burden of the of the of the guilt of having murdered hundreds if not thousands of people and um and so I think that would be hard for any rational person. Uh, although we know he did it because he was obsessed with finding Nadia. Uh, now that maybe his obsession has cooled and he has Nadia, maybe now he will come to kind of a horrible realization. And I think that might have been part of what his reaction was in our present time. Uh, when he goes to Celeste and she says something like, do you remember? And he goes, I don't know, instead of telling her the truth. Um, Which, of course, he needs time to process now, uh, emotionally, uh, that he was the one who was responsible. And I had to be amused by that because there was that scene when they first find Carter disheveled in captivity, uh, and he blames Nadia for taking down Citadel. Mm -hmm. And here, of course, it turns out it was Mason, which, of course, Carter won't know since he doesn't have access to Mason's memory, but Mason knows. And, uh, you know, uh, and I don't know, did they reveal, I don't think they read revealed to Celeste yet that Asha is Mason's daughter. No. No. And so we have that to deal with in the upcoming season. You know, obviously some kind of reckoning between them is going to need to happen. And I think perhaps this is when Carter may have to break out Celeste's memory 
and let her come back. And then she'll have a very, they'll have a very complicated relationship between the three of them and poor Hendrix will be kind of the fallout who has to take whatever they have to endure. I, I wonder if they're being sneaky. In what way? Because there were a couple of scenes through there where it looked like Abby maybe wasn't as memory deprived as they want us to believe. It it really seemed like she had like a knowing look on her face. Now she has to hide the fact that maybe she still has her memories uh, from from Nadia. But I there were a couple of scenes, especially when you know Kyle was talking to her. He's like, "Yeah, I found her." Her, you know, there, there's just a look on her face like she knows more than she's letting on. And I'm I'm really curious about that. Well, think about it. We had those scenes in Oregon before Kyle was extracted by Bernard where he was flashing back to memories of his past. And then he would look at himself with, you know, which was an excuse to create eye candy when he took off his shirt in the mirror and looked at his wounds. But, you know, and we had that occur several times with him where he would have those flashes. And who's to say that Abby is not having those same flashes, but just keeps it sotto voce, you know, on the, the lowdown because she doesn't want uh, Kyle to think she's crazy. Yeah. And the, the fact that both of them ended up at the same memory therapy facility and they met and fell in love and have been living together, you know, they got married and had a kid, th- that the, the whole way that was set up smells fishy to me. <laughs> mm, maybe definitely. maybe that's just maybe that's just me looking for more threads in a in a in a story that's built on uh, subterfuge and intrigue. Think and, about it too. Maybe Dahlia has been keeping track of Mason, even in Oregon, uh, you know, because he is her son. And, you know, and obviously he proved to be a useful asset as well when he gave up Citadel. And so maybe she is still keeping, has been keeping track of them in Oregon and knew they were there all the time. Hmm. And uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm just fascinated by where Dahlia is going to go next season. You know, what tack she's going to take, you know, and uh, now that she's kind of separated from Manicor. Um, and she's a fascinating character, I yeah. think. And of course, she's a great actress anyway, but I think she brings a lot to the role. Um, I, on the other hand, I thought that Stanley Tucci was given too many cutesy uh, remarks to make and so that but Bernard himself remains quite a mystery mm-hmm. how did he survive the attack on Citadel how did Carter survive yes so the two of them did they get in a little Darth Vader ship and head out you know like at the end of Star Wars episode four you know they go spinning off into something uh you know uh uh, so that's intriguing to me too, because there may be more to that story than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, I just, I just like how, you know, we have Bernard and we have Carter and they are the two most top level uh, support operatives that Citadel has. They know all about the computer systems. They know all about the communications. They know all about the, the technology and where it had been stashed. Um, whether or not this ends up being Manticore forcing Bernard to do something and they need Carter to stop him technologically or physically, I, I can see that as being set up. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, again, I don't want to nitpick too much, but you know, when Nadia and Kyle slash Mason end up at that safe house in Spain, which was a, a Citadel safe house that Nadia remembered. Uh, you know, I mean, why was that not just destroyed by Manticore? You know, and uh, instead there it sits with computers still operating and apparently the server is still functioning so she can look up information. Uh, you know, I thought that she at? was I thought she was doing that through the X case. Oh, huh. Did Not they like have that. the X case on them? I don't think so in Spain. Yeah, no, he had already stolen it and he used oh, it to find, to find Nadia. And, mm. and then her, her, uh, the serum, her vial was still in there and unbroken. So yeah, they went, she went immediately to Spain because that's where her daughter was. We didn't know that at the time, but that's why. Uh, if you remember right before she got the right after she got the message that she was being backstopped remotely, she wrote Valencia on her hand. Well, you know, and now this makes me think in the terms of the timeline that Asha has to be older than Hendrix because uh, she's oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Asha, Asha has to be at least 10. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you think she looked ten in the episode? I don't. I'm not good at guessing kids' ages, but uh, <laughs> I suppose she could be older than Hendrix. But like I said, that Hendrix is like eight or something. You know, she looks like more like a teenager or tween, like twelve. You no, know, she doesn't look and that old. I don't know. You know, but again, that's just a little bit of nitpicking. I would like to. <laughs> And, and I, again, you know, I did mention in one of my reviews that I don't particularly care for children in peril mm -hmm. plot lines. You know, um, they're just so creepy. Although it is good for emphasizing that a villain will stop at nothing uh, to deal with uh, their adversaries. You know, that's the lowest of the low to go. Yeah. And, uh, and so that was a success. I have to uh, compliment uh, the actor. Let me see what his name was. Um, Roland Muller, who did the dual roles, roles of Anders and Dobbic. Mm -hmm. I thought he did a very, very good job of portraying the, the brothers yeah. and uh, making them somewhat unique. And... Uh, and I was actually quite charmed by the Brielle-Anders uh, relationship. I thought that was a nice twist. And certainly that was a shock when it was revealed that 
Riel, this person they were talking about was actually Celeste or Abby, you know, and that she mm -hmm. was still alive, you know, which unfortunately poor Anders couldn't go see her again. Uh, because I think their romance was real, you know, and uh, for, for him, it was. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it made him a more well-rounded villain, you know, and uh, and made me care for him a little bit more. Whereas Davik, you know, I, I remember right, he was supposed to be the stupid one, the, you know, who was more brawn than anything. But yet, obviously, he could go down on that submarine and take it over and threaten Dahlia. And, uh, and I forget, did we ever see that he was killed? Topic. Uh, the the implication was <clears throat> that uh, the Russians, since the sub was still surfaced, the Russians were going to bomb it into oblivion. So the um, the implication is that he died on uh, that submarine. Yeah, and they used the phrase in talking about the submarine. They said it was a deadhead. I should look that up and see what that means exactly. They implied that it was completely remote controlled, that it was all computer driven, and that when Mason Mason's initial mission to hijack it to respond to only his biometrics, and then he added that second level of encryption so that not even Citadel could control it, that's... That's that's where a little bit of stuff fell apart for me, because how did the Russians not realize that they no longer had control of it? How could they not know where it was and how could they not destroy it so that nobody else could you know, use it later? Well, exactly. You yeah. know, um, but I will say that the set was excellent. Oh, my goodness. That was gorgeous. That yeah, you know, that, you know, that whole that, submarine. Yeah, that that was that was fifty years from now sort of uh, tech layout. I I was I, <laughs> I have to I have to applaud the set designers for for the technological uh, accoutrement in this oh, series. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, some, some yeah. really really pretty stuff, really good stuff. Um, yeah, and but, their pyrotechnics are good too. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I I love a good explosion, and uh, you know, uh, so that was nice to see too that they didn't go cheap on those effects. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, and certainly I I liked that there were some philosophical questions raised by this series, namely, you know, that supposedly when uh, uh, Mason or Kyle had lost his memories, that he still somehow retained his skill set. As mm -hmm. Carter says to him in the sub, remember your, you know, your skill set, your, you know, you didn't forget your skills as Mason. And, uh, and of course, he has kind of a lousy parachute landing on the sub, but he manages to survive, uh, you know, until he's no longer useful to Davik. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the whole the whole thing about you know you're you still have your muscle memory even though you don't have your memories i'm like well yeah but there's an eight-year gap it's not like he was doing any martial arts training in, in oregon during that eight years he was chopping wood and 
there there is going to be some deterioration in terms of uh, physical prowess. I I you know would expect that first uh, casualty of that uh, that 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 gap that time gap to be speed uh, reflect you know reflexes and all. But I think that that early scene where Bernard threw a knife at him, I think that was meant to tell us that his reflexes are still there. You know, that was a, a cheesy way to do it, but effective. <laughs> oh, definitely. I would agree with that. But it, but it's intriguing because, you know, obviously we're getting into which parts of the brain are being affected. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously that you would think it was the hippocampus that they were backstopping since that's where most of the memories are. And then, uh, you know, there's obviously other parts of the brain that deal with the motor skills. Uh. And so those could be left intact. But then, you know, it does get into the question of how you're accessing that information. You know, the, for me, the funny... What's yeah. that? I said, for me, the funniest part was when, when Kyle tries throwing the knife at Nadia and she just dodges it and goes, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> and that that whole that whole scene I think was meant to fill the hole of people asking the question, does that really, you know, is that really the truth? And and the, the look of disbelief on on Kyle's face where he goes, You were supposed to catch it. <laughs> that whole scene was hilarious to me. And I think that's what hooked me on wanting to see more about these characters. And even though, you know, if you read other reviews, a lot of people like the action but hate the acting. I'm like, no, this some of this makes sense. And I I am enjoying. Because see, if I didn't like the series, I wouldn't be sitting here talking about it, nitpicking all the stuff to death, trying to figure out you know, what works, what doesn't work, what should have been written better. I wouldn't bother if I didn't enjoy it and want more of it. So Hello, producers and uh, Amazon Studios. I like this show. A lot of people like what's happened. Keep going. Please keep going. Uh, yes, and I would <laughs> like to, I, I want to make a mention that I wouldn't mind uh, having these producers, if they, uh, someone listens to this uh, broadcast, that they think about doing standalone I don't know if you want to call them episodes or movies or what, but doing some standalones uh, to provide more insight into uh, what was going on. And perhaps some of those are being offered on their website. I haven't gone to look, you know, little webisodes, you know, where you get a little more background and things about characters. Um, I will I think say that. Go ahead. So I think they could uh, do that effectively with like uh, a web comic or a graphic novel too. Yes, that would work as well. Uh, but I, 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 yeah, so I want to see them go beyond the dynamic of just having a series, uh, you know, and only using that as a way to portray information about Citadel. Uh, and um, yeah, because I think that would be very helpful uh, to flesh out the background more, since they clearly don't want to do it in um, 
the main series, you know, and there's only so much time. I get, I can understand that, you know, that they're, they're a little limited. I want to say that I was a little disappointed by the, I'm not sure what to call them, the, uh, the talk pieces after each episode where the producers would talk and, mm. you know, for some reason, Richard Madden would talk, but Priyanka was never there to talk. Uh, you know, um, I thought that they did not really, it felt like they were trying to explain what we had just seen. And I thought to myself, I don't really need to be told what I've seen or, uh, I was more interested in what Richard Madden had to say because he's the one inhabiting Kyle and Mason. And so he had more insight about that. But, you know, unless the producers are going to tell me where they're going, I'm not interested in hearing them recap what I've just seen, which I felt was what they used those episodes as. And I felt in a way it was like, saying that viewers were too stupid to figure out what was going on you know that you needed this extra thing to help you um or maybe they thought it was just a rah-rah piece to keep you interested you know and oh yes this is great you know we, we did this but uh but i would have preferred if they were more revelatory or hinty at what might be coming uh you know and that would be that would have been more enjoyable for me uh, because I find, you know, after a while, it became almost a burden to watch him because I thought, why not learn anything new? Yeah, I think, I think those, uh, what is it, Citadel Declassified. Oh, yes, uh, that's, that's what the term those, was. Those little teasers. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering how much was left out of those. I'm wondering if there's deleted scenes because each of these episodes was quick, like 40 minutes tops right that they were really really quick and i'm sitting here going amazon has the ability to make these episodes longer they're not trying to position them to be on on any syndication or broadcast network why not have the episodes be longer why not uh have extra you know behind the scenes or deleted scenes or you know you know give us give us tidbits you know give us give us breadcrumbs let us let us see some of the stuff that was left out to to streamline the story and you know they've they've already greenlit season two so we're getting a season two uh we're getting citadel diana which they've already said you know, it looks like it's already been completed if we're getting it in 2024. Uh, season two is going to be directed, all the episodes are going to be directed by uh, Joe Russo. And it looks like maybe, I don't, they, they I, I haven't seen anything where they've definitively said it's going to be another six episodes. Maybe they expand it to eight. I don't know. Um, but I'm I'm happy we're getting more. And I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I, I'm curious too, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this summer about uh, why it was six episodes. I mean, it's kind of British, obviously, to have shorter seasons, uh, you know. But I wonder. I was just thinking about it, and I think I wonder if it was 
budgetary, you know, that they had a set budget and for them to do the technology scenes or the action scenes, you could only do six, six episodes on that budget and, and have adequate technology and uh, to do what you need to do. Or because it seems like such a short episode run. If you're, if Amazon's really behind this series, you know why so short a run? Why not ten episodes? You know, which would seem like a more normal amount to me, even eight. I mean, I just watched American Born Chinese on Disney, and it was eight episodes. You know, and uh, which I thought was the perfect number for a season, frankly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but yet we're getting six and is it renewed for a second season for six? Oh, and how uh, many, are, yeah. how, how many are in Citadel Diana? I do not know how many episodes are in each series, but it, what I'm was hoping. the budget number that they quoted that they were spending on Citadel? I mean, it was enormous, if I remember right, in terms was, of millions of dollars. It was like feature film type stuff but i don't know if that was for all of the seasons all of the the series that were blotted out because it was it was already a go-ahead for season two before season one even premiered hmm. and obviously they had already produced citadel diana because you know we got a teaser trailer out of it yes yes so um you know the up uh, you know, I'm sure they did it in parallel, you know, just because it would be easier. But and I kind of like that because I like a, an offshoot of Citadel. I'm I'm very interested in this world. I agree with you. I would not be watching it if I was not interested. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of potential here. And uh, and frankly, there is potential for character growth as well as we get to mo know them more and more and they become more nuanced so that we know a little bit more now now for example Kyle Mason has to be a dad to two um daughters who knows if Abby will regain her memory and then have to deal with all of that you know I mean there's a lot of potential there and uh you know I'm really pleased by that mm -hmm. and I'm I'm just happy that all of the twists that we saw in the sixth episode lived up to the tagline everything you know is a lie i love i love how that circled back to literally everything they showed <laughs> the audience during that six episodes everything was a lie and they just you know everything they fed us as being uh actual turned out to be uh, a half truth or a full-blown lie or a misdirection and i'm like oh you sneaky bastards i love it <laughs> yes it was clearly thought out you know and i you know that it really is in my mind one of the great endings of the season one in my years of viewing i mean because that twist was sublime uh, really, it's the only way to describe it. It was so brilliantly conceived and so beyond what I thought this show was capable of, to be quite frank with you. And, uh, you know, uh, it, re it reinvigorated my faith in the writers and the producers that we were going in the right direction. Cool. So uh, any final thoughts? 
No, but I am looking forward to, to Citadel, Diana. Uh, I hope I, you said it was 2024. Mm -hmm. And presumably Citadel 2 will be 2024 as well. Although I'm I'm a little sad to have to wait that long, you know, like anybody, right. you know, I'd like <laughs> to see it sooner, especially if it's already been produced, you know, uh, and if Citadel Diana is already here, I don't know what the point is of waiting except to be sure that we are significantly hungry for a future Citadel when it does premiere. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, that it was smart for Citadel to do this series with the budget it had, because I think if you had had inferior technology, um, you know, that would have sunk this series. Um, so it was a good move to invest in this mm -hmm. in parallel to the storyline of the characters. And it's what makes Citadel believable. And, uh, you know, it um, has a lot of potential. And that's, those are my final thoughts. Yeah. Citadel Diana, I believe, is already completed. You know, since we're talking 2024, they're probably doing post-production on special effects. Uh, season two probably has not been done yet because like I said Russo one of the Russo brothers is going to be directing all the episodes so I'm wondering if they've even been written yet you know have they gone past the outline stage have they gone to storyboarding yet have they gone to pre-production yet I don't know what the situation is with that I would like to find out I really would um so we'll see we'll see but yeah you know I'm I'm also looking forward to to being lied to on multiple levels again by these people <laughs> because these these people are are uh vicious charming brutal and and i i want to see more of their interactions because it's it's more than you know about the technology and about the assignments it's how they work with each other and how they, I mean, literally everything they do in their lives is about lying. So how do you maintain that when you're trying to uh, maintain relationships that matter and friendships that matter? This is uh, intriguing to me where they go with this. Well, yeah, because it, it, uh, I just had to add a final thought here that, you know, in a way, can you still have a Kyle-Abby relationship when you're now Mason-Abby or when you're now Mason-Celeste if she gets her memory back? I mean, those are intriguing thoughts. Yeah, and, and what happens to Kyle-Nadia and Mason-Nadia? Where does that go? Mm, indeed. <laughs> well the we will be thickens. oh definitely definitely and i think they did that to us on purpose the sneaky <laughs> bastards but uh yeah we will we will be keeping our eye out on on uh on amazon's uh press releases and releases and info to to see when we're getting more 
uh, Citadel, whether it be more spinoff or more of the main series. I'm looking forward to it. As am I. And that'll do it. We'll be back with more Slice of Sci-Fi right after this. Escape Pod, the free science fiction podcast brought to you by Escape Artists. I rippled a welcoming cadence of light beneath my skin, and then, seeing the newcomer was human, made my best approximation of a smile. Welcome to Helixer Transgalactic Lounge. Each week, one story told well. She should have never come back to this God's forsaken junk heap of a space station. But she couldn't help but miss it when she was away for too long. From the most astonishing and visionary storytellers of the genre. But because time is a trick of the mind, it can be hacked. And we have gotten good at it. We had to. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on the web at escapepod.org. And on Patreon under EA Podcasts. Hi, I'm Aaron Ashmore from Sci-Fi's Killjoys, and you're listening to Slice of Sci-Fi. Yeah, so I really enjoyed Citadel, and Lewis did too. I think it's a little uneven, but still fun, and... I really am looking forward to the spinoffs and uh, season two, whenever those show up. Uh, all six episodes are streaming on Prime. I believe that the first episode may be free for anyone to view now. I'd have to double check that just to be sure. I saw a promo about that somewhere. Might have been on Twitter. I'm not sure. But uh, it is more focused on the intrigue and the relationships than the action and the missions. So, I don't know. I I don't know what you would call that type of spy subgenre, but I like it. (laughs) I like it. And like I said, I really enjoyed the show and I do want to see more. Uh, I, I'm hoping to read more about where they plan to go with season two. I mean, we, we just have the basic, the barest of information about the spinoffs. And I'm, I'm curious. I want to know more about this story and this world that they're building. So how about you? Is Citadel something you will watch? Is it something you have watched? Let us know. Give me a call. The number is 602-635-6976. Leave a voicemail message. Let us know where you stand on Citadel. And strike up a conversation. Come on over to either the website, sliceofsci-fi.com, or uh, shoot me an email, summer at sliceofsci-fi.com, or 
uh, leave a comment in uh, the Twitter thread for this. Uh, Twitter, website, email, voicemail. Okay, yeah, I hit them all. (laughs) Uh, You can listen to Slice of Sci-Fi on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Player FM, and iHeartRadio. And if you're listening on Apple or Stitcher, please consider leaving us a review or rating uh, or on Podchaser as well. Let folks know that you are enjoying the show and maybe suggest that they check it out for themselves. Uh, We're doing a lot of signal boosting here soon-ish. There are plans to expand. Well, I shouldn't say expand, but to broaden uh, the reach of the show, the, the perks that are available for, uh, listeners and supporters and some other fun stuff. Not sure how long it'll take to, to implement, but we're working on that. And I'd like to thank everyone who is currently helping to support, uh, this show, the Slice of Sci-Fi podcast and all of the shows in the slice of sci-fi universe your support your patronage your donations they really do help keep things online around here so my my heartfelt thanks goes out to you supporters and fans and longtime listeners and if you'd like to add your support the place to go is patreon.com slash slice of sci-fi pick a tier any tier all patrons are eligible for perks uh you get to pick what sort of perk you'd like every month i pick a winner out of the electronic hat and that person gets to choose from a book a dvd a blu-ray or a 4k Uh, i get a lot of review materials here for slice of sci-fi and writers after dark and i can't keep all of it so like to spread the wealth, show my appreciation for for your your appreciation and support, and this is one way I can do that. And if you'd like to add your support without committing to a monthly pledge, you can use the PayPal link, paypal.me slash sci-fi summer, and donate every now and then as the inspiration hits you. You can also help out by uh, browsing the things we have for sale over at sliceofsci-fi.net. That is an affiliate store, and all of the links are affiliate links, either through Bookshop or Amazon. And uh, we are slowly, very, very slowly, adding new items for you to peruse. Uh, some quirky stuff, sci-fi, horror, fantasy, uh, nonfiction, documentaries, that sort of thing. And uh, hopefully you'll find something of interest and your purchases through that site do help support our efforts here at uh, all the podcasts and websites in the Slice of Sci-Fi universe. And that'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank you all for listening. 
We'll be back with more Slice with Sci-Fi next time. Take care. Mm-hmm.